So to start off, I'll tell you um, a little bit about myself and my family. I am the youngest of three siblings. I have, you can throw that picture up there, Wesley. Oh, not that one. That is me. That'll be applicable in a second. So I have a mom who works here, who you might know. Um, My dad, I have a brother who is 24 and a sister who's 28, which is really weird. Um, If you show the next picture, my sister's husband's in it. And they are married and they live in Egypt doing medical missions at the current moment. Um, So that next picture that I was going to show you, uh, do the ocean one. So a fun fact about myself, there's one of our dogs, I have an obsession, and my obsession is the ocean. I am proud of this, and it has been since I was a child. The ocean is literally my place of rest, my place of adventure, my place of excitement, my place of peace. It is literally the closest I feel to God when I am in and near the ocean. So that will be applicable to our story as we get in. Um, Let me open this up, and then I will tell you. Oh, side note, as I'm doing this, do you all like my shirt? So my tea, okay, my tea has been blessed by God. So we pray that (laughs) my story, I actually owned the shirt before tonight, but that was just fun. Um, So I grew up in a super Christian home, like super. Um, I'm sure that's not the only one. Um, I have a grandfather who's a pastor, an uncle. My mom's a pastor's kid. And I grew up so heavily saturated in the gospel that I didn't even realize um, how blessed I was. So as some would say, I feel like I was a dead fish flowing in a river where I knew how to go with the flow, but I didn't necessarily own it. Um, And so that picture, you can go ahead and throw the cowgirl picture up. That was when I accepted Christ. That was at a VBS. I don't dress like that normally. Um, And that was when I accepted Christ. Um, And I remember coming home to my parents, and they were outside, and I run out. I'm like, Mom, Dad, guys, I accepted Christ. Like, isn't this so exciting? And I knew that I was a sinner in need of a Savior, but I didn't truly understand the depth of that. And so life goes on. I go through middle school. I go through early high school, and I know all the answers. I have such a strong head knowledge of Christ, and I truly believe that I was a part of his family, but I don't know if any of you have a famous sibling or a famous family member. I don't, but for the sake of this analogy, we'll say you do, and I don't know. um, It's like they are forever a part of your family. You can't say, like, you're not my aunt. You're not my uncle, but you might not have a good relationship with him. And so I feel like that's what it was like with the Lord. Like I knew that I was in his family. I knew there was nothing I could do to not be a part of his family, but I didn't really have a relationship. And so that kept going on all throughout early of high school. And then I would say late January, early February of my uh, junior year of high school, kind of everything came crashing down. I um, began to be really sick and uh, I was not prepared in any way. Um, My parents have such a strong walk. My dad, as a little backstory, had cancer when I was a kid. And so they have really made our house a place of the gospel. They have really um, put it as everything is the foundation in scripture. If there's a moment to be taught the scripture, it was taught. Everything was a teachable moment in my house. And um, I remember just going to the kitchen table, this is such a vivid memory, and um, it was dinner time after church, I think, and my family was all talking about what the message was about and whether we agreed or disagreed or what we thought about it, and I just like was like, can we talk about anything else? My family was like, 
I was like, seriously, all we ever talk about is God and the gospel and this and that. And I was like, can, like, can you stop? And then they like, looked at me, and then they just kept talking. And I was like, oh, God, that worked. Um, but it felt like as if Jesus was stealing from me. It felt like he was stealing moments that I wanted my joy, moments that I wanted my name to be praised, moments, all of that. Like It, it felt like he had been stealing from me. And so um, back to junior year, um, I began to get really sick, and my mom was out of town, and uh, there was basically this rash showing up, which is blood under the skin, I later found out, and bruises popping up every hour. And I was like, what is going on? Even, <laughs> I had no idea what was going on, but my dad, knowing medical things, he's a doctor, he was like, we need to go to the doctor right now. And I was like, dad, I'm trying to go to Target. Like, can you stop? And like, my friend and I were in the car on our way to Target. He's like, no, you need to come. And I was like, um, I'm sorry, I'm gonna go to Target first. I did listen, but like it did not seem like it was anything crazy. Like I was so prepared to have like a cold or whatever. So I ended up going through a lot of medical testing, go back the next morning to medical testing, and at this point they think I have cancer. I, um, you're supposed to have no, 250,000 to 450,000 platelets, which is the thing that when you get a cut and your blood like stops bleeding, clots it. Um, I had zero. So much that they kept running tests because they thought their machine was broken. <laughs> so um, I remember there was one night we were going to the doc, uh, hospital, and it was when we were just trying to figure out what was going on. And it began to snow, and they were like, you need to take your daughter to the hospital right now. She has to go but do not get in a car accident because if you get in a car accident, she's gonna bleed out. And my dad like ha already thinks that he gave me cancer, which is such a terrifying feeling. I could imagine, I don't know. And then um, on top of it, like we're driving so slowly. But the Lord is so faithful and he speaks to me in pictures. And I just would encourage you to ask for the Lord to speak to you in the ways that you really understand. And so I was going up over this hill and I don't know if y'all know the bridge that's right before MacArthur Mall and there's like water and there's boats. And I had not seen this new boat that had come in, and it's like the middle of the night. We're going up over, and the snow's coming down, and I see this new ship that had come in, and it was covered by a white tarp. And the white tarp covering the ship looked like a cross. And for me, it just was like, okay, like I can do this. So we get to the hospital, keep doing tests. For weeks, I end up going to the doctor like every two days to get blood drawn, and they eventually find out that it's something called lupus. So lupus is when you have a cold and your body sees something foreign and so it attacks it um, and hopes to keep you healthy. My body sees my whole body as a foreign object and tries to kill itself. Um, Selena Gomez has it, if that helps any of you. For some reason, she's trying to raise awareness, so I guess that's great. But yeah, so um, it was attacking my blood at that moment. So my parents, being that my dad is a chiropractor, it's a very holistic approach to medicine. And so I don't think I was fully on board until now. <laughs> but um, the doctors, when we found out I had lupus, they automatically like, you're going to do chemo and you're going to do these eight steroids. And we were like, oh, whoa, like, that's a lot. And they're like, and you're going to start like tonight. And we're like, mm, let's give us some time. So we began going through the process of really praying, we, meaning my mom and dad, not me, going through the process of praying and really asking the Lord, like, how do you want to heal Logan? Do you want it to be through chemo? Do you want it to be through natural medicine? And so the Lord totally spoke to my parents and they're like, she needs to do a more holistic approach. You need to heal her from the inside out. And at this moment, <laughs> I don't think I was on board. In fact, I know I wasn't because later on, I definitely rebelled against that. But I was going through and through this process, holistic medicine is all about a slow and gradual incline rather than a quick result. 
So through this time, I actually kind of bottomed out and I almost passed away. Um, it was an interesting experience to say the least. I was preparing for this and I think I'm so used to this story that I don't really take in the gravity of that. And then this morning as I was kind of speaking through this, I like began to like feel choked up and I was like, oh my gosh, like, I'm so sorry, Lord, that I take for granted my life that I have daily because I actually almost didn't have it. Um, and so, yeah, I almost basically passed away, and so I did one round of chemo, not your typical what you would think. Um, it's not for cancer, but it was a form of chemo to help bring me stable. So I went through that, and I went through a holistic approach. It's basically taking 60-something supplements a day, a couple medical food drinks, only eating some fruits, some vegetables, and some meats. Like, it was crazy. And so in the beginning, I was like, you know, the Lord was so good to me. He gave, he gave me peace through that picture. Like, I'm so good. I can handle this. And I quickly realized that I was running on my own energy, and I began to just decline. Like, there was one moment I was like, I'm not taking my vitamins. I'm not taking my vitamins. And I was like, I'll just do chemo. I don't want to do all this work. And I remember my mom just, like, begging me, just take them. Like, we want you to be healthy. Just take them. And um, I kept a journal. And a part of um, something I wrote in it when I would, like, need to process things, I'm very much an internal processor, was... Um, you say that your dinner glass is full and spilling over, but I feel like my ocean has reached maximum capacity. And at that moment, I felt like I had nothing. Um, they told me my ability to have kids would be very small to none. They told me that my life was waning away, and um, I had, couldn't make plans with friends because I was so sick. I would just sleep in bed all day, and then I'd wake up and I'd take vitamins, and then I'd sleep again. Um, and there was this moment where I literally was doing pretty much nothing, meaning my parents were cooking, cleaning, buying things for me, helping me in every aspect they could, but I still felt like they didn't feel the weight or the gravity of how I truly felt. Um, and the Lord is so good. He met me there. Um, I remember this one night. I was going in my closet, and I turned the light off, and I got down on the floor, and I put my arms out, and I was listening to this song, and it says, I'm letting go. And I remember just letting go and saying, Lord, I don't care if I see you, feel you, hear you again. I'm choosing to lean upon you because I have nothing left. I said, I don't care if I have breath in my lungs. As long as I have you, I still have more than enough. And that was such a real thing for me because at that moment, my breath was so waning. I literally would get out of breath to walk from one side of the room to the other. <laughs> so at this point, it was so realistic. And I was like, Lord... If I have you, it's still more than enough. I will be more than satisfied. In that time, I found something called the World Race, which is 11 countries, 11 months doing missions work on the ground, basically doing the heart of God with people around you, living out of a backpack. And um, I found YouTube videos of this girl vlogging them and every single day for 11 months. And me... I fell in love with all of it. I fell in love with enjoying videos, feeling like I was not in a hospital room. Um, this girl was so transparent um, in the missions. So the Lord used this to awaken my heart to missions. Um, I like to say that it's like he opened my eyes to this love of writing, and I thought it was because of this journal, but really it's a love of writing, and I don't need the journal. The Lord opened my eyes to missions, and I thought it was because of the world race, but I don't need the world race. I have missions. And so I spent the next year, it was about early senior year, and I spent the next year 
working my butt off to try to be healthy enough to go. I bought my hiking backpack, I bought my stuff sack to sleep in, um, and I was like, I'm doing it. I woke up at 5.30, spent time with God for a long time, because like I said, I didn't really have anything going on, and, <laughs> and I'm taking my vitamins, and I'm doing it, because I want to do this. But it was not the Lord's plan. The Lord eventually, softly and sweetly, took the world race away from me, and I felt hurt. I felt like something had been torn away from me. It was like he opened my eyes to a dream that I never knew that I could have and then took it away. Why would he do that? I was like, that's so like, painful. That's so pointless. Why would you do this? And um, then it was kind of like I began to realize the Lord needed to prepare some things in my heart. Um, at that moment, it was like I, when I decided to give my life to the Lord, I took that step from complete logic, complete understanding of what I knew, of scripture, of all of these things, and I decided to take the step of faith. And I was like, Lord, I'm choosing to follow you. And back to that moment of the Lord saying no to the world race, it was like, am I going to live this out? Am I going to say that the Lord is still good, that the Lord is not limited by my health to work, that the Lord can still do abundantly and exceedingly? So here I am to this day. You see that I lived, praise the Lord, I praise him every day. Um, but I've had a couple of crazy times. I've had freshman year, second semester of my college. Um, I had to go home because I had a flare-up. Uh, this past year, for a couple months, I had a flare-up. And so it's one of those amazing things that the Lord keeps me on my knees, keeps me continually ready to receive what he has for me, thanking him in it all. And so I really want to encourage you that the Lord is not limited by anything, that the Lord works and he moves and he breathes inside of us and he does all of this, whether our health be lacking, whether our finances be lack, financial state be lacking, whether our friendships are lacking, whether whatever you may be your struggle, I don't know it, but the Lord knows it deeper than we even comprehend, that he is not limited to work inside of it. Even our comprehensions back to the ocean the ocean, to me, is joy. It is, I love it. Um, a little saying that I, I feel like the Lord revealed to me a couple years ago is, you are constant yet ever-changing in how I love you. And that's how I feel about the ocean, is it is so constant. It is always there. I never drive to the ocean, to the beach, and I get there, I'm like, huh, where'd it go? I'm like, like, it's always there. But it's always changing. The tide changes every single day. And there's always new things coming up. Right now, there's something called, like, what? Lice? Sea lice or something? Yeah, there's something weird going on right now, so that's changing. But it's always changing. We don't fully even comprehend the depth of the ocean. All I can see, if the Lord was stopped by my understanding of him, if the Lord was limited to my knowledge, it would be like saying that I see the end of the ocean only, what, two to five miles? I see the end, and that must be the end. That must be all of it. I can't even see the bottom in the little bit that I can see. Like, there's no way I can fully comprehend the ocean, let alone the Lord. There is no limit to him. And so I'm going to actually go to Scripture real quick, because Scripture is amazing, and it's the Lord's love letter to us. And I'm going to go into, what is it, the one about Paul, Wesley? Now I, now I want you to know that one. Sorry, the reference got taken away, but you got it. There we go. Philippians 1, 12 through 14. 
Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. For I know that through you, prayers and God's provisions of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I'm eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether it be life or death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and the joy in the faith, so that through my being and with you again, your boasting in Christ will, be a, will abound on account of me. So Paul wrote this when he was in prison. Um, Paul definitely knows the limits of physicalness, whether it be a literal cage. He also knew the physical um, ailments when he was blinded from Saul turning to Paul. And he knew that the Lord could work way beyond the limits that he put in front of him. He felt like he could have easily been discouraged by a literal barrier, what we think stops, what can I do beyond this? But the Lord says, no, I go way beyond. It even talks about, um, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. I want to encourage you that whatever you may see as limitations, whatever you may see as ailments, the Lord is actually using to spread the gospel. I was praying through this and I was like, Lord, give me a picture. And he's so faithful, he gave me a picture of this blue pitcher, not picture, but pitcher, like when you pour, and it has water in it, and it's just flowing over. And it's flowing over so much. Have you ever seen the fountains in the ponds that like you see all the water, but you don't even see the mechanism that's making it go? It was like the water was coming out of the pitcher so much that you didn't even really see the pitcher, except kind of through the fogginess of the water that was coming out of it. And for us, a lot of times when we follow the Lord, we think, Lord, I want you to fill me. I want you to fill me so much that when people see me, they only see you. And people are praying, and it's kind of like, Lord, I want you to fill me to the top. I want the water to be to the top. I want it to be that when people see the picture, they even see it sitting on the top. It's like, Lord, the Lord does not stop there. The Lord goes above it. He goes beyond it. He goes way over us. He doesn't even have to include us. The Lord could just, in use of my picture, there could be water everywhere without a pitcher. Like he doesn't need the pitcher, but the Lord allows us to partner with him so that we can then grow in relationship with him. There's a picture, once again, <laughs> of, um, y'all know the pots that you buy um, from the store and they're like orange, what are they called? Like terracotta or something? But I always see this terracotta, uh, uh, what do you call it, vessel, um, and it has cracks in it, and all these little cracks, and these cracks, and these cracks, and these cracks. And I'm sure you've heard this if you've heard me speak at all before, because this is like my life picture. But the more we live, and the more human that we are, the cracks become more and more evident. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. And you're like, to us, we think the Lord is limited by my brokenness. The Lord cannot use me. But the Lord's like, knowing that, I'm going to be most glorified. And so there's a light inside of this vessel, and as there's more and more cracks in this vessel, the light then shines brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. 
Like the Lord is using us and he's allowing us to be a part of the process. And in our brokenness, he is most glorified. When we are most satisfied in Christ, then he is most glorified. When we truly say, Lord, even if I don't have breath in my lungs, I have more than enough because I have you. When we say, Lord, all I want is to bring glory to your name and not my own, the Lord is most satisfied or the Lord is most glorified because we are fully satisfied. I know it's difficult because, um, like I said before I took that leap of faith, of saying, Lord, I know all the answers to the church questions. I know all these stories. I know all these things. To then going, Lord, I'm taking that step of faith. I'm actually applying it to my life. When I took that step, it was like so hard because for us, the tangible is the most real thing in the room. What we see, what we feel, feels the most real. (laughs) But I'm here to encourage you and to actually ask you to really search your heart do the physical things of this world seem most real to you? It's really funny because the kingdom is kind of upside down and the spiritual realm is more real than the physical. And that's like insane because we're such physical people. Um, But I want to encourage you, there's a scripture um, and it talks about the grass. It says the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. The word of the Lord is his love note to us. The word of the Lord is where he speaks truth over us. He speaks life into us. And that stands longer than the earth. There's also another scripture where it talks about that we are just vapors. We are moments in the wind. Our spirit lasts so much longer, and the Lord is not limited by our physical. And for me, as you heard, um, I pray that it really, it opened your eyes and it opened your heart to see that the Lord is not bound by it. I'm here today, praise the Lord, but speaking his name so that he may be most glorified. He did not stop there. I went to school and my major is global studies. I love it and I've met so many people. This year I get to go overseas and and spread the gospel. The Lord did not stop by my limits. The Lord did not stop and saying, well, that's all you have to offer. That's not good enough. He's like, no, you have anything to offer. That's amazing. Let me use it. I'm not sure if you've heard, but in scripture it says a faith of a mustard seed can move mountains. Can you imagine? Like that is not in our own strength. The ocean is not limited by what we've seen of it. The ocean is always there. It's always constant. It's always deepening. Like, I don't even, like, I can't even begin to fathom. Have you ever thought about how deep it is? The galaxies, the galaxies are huge. We'll never even begin to comprehend that. Do you think they end where we don't even understand it? No. The fact that humans haven't even seen the bottom of the ocean or the ends of the galaxies doesn't mean that they're not there. Same as with our abilities, just because we don't comprehend how the Lord could use our broken selves, how the Lord could use our broken stories, how the Lord could use our broken health or our broken families or our broken financial state or our broken hearts. The Lord says, give anything and I'll take it. And he allows us to be a part of the journey. Is that not literally amazing? It's not that he's like, okay, I'm gonna use you. If you could um, give me that talent and stay over there, I'm gonna use it over here. Lord's like, no, I want you to come along the journey with me. I want you to be a part of my family. I want to be in relationship with you. He loves us and knows us deeper than we know ourselves. So, I just want to end with this, that this light 
momentary affliction, it says in Scripture, does not compare to the eternal weight of glory that is yet to be revealed. That this life, even though it may seem heavy, it may seem broken, it may seem daunting, it may seem like there is no light at the end of the tunnel, that it is just light in comparison to the Father. It's like going back to the ocean. It's like when you go to the ocean, have you ever tried to lift a boat? Like a boat is massive. Like this table's a little heavy, but have you ever tried to physically lift a boat? Like I don't think it's possible, no matter how much I work out. But you put it in the ocean, okay, and it just like floats. It's just like there, it's just chilling. And the ocean's so vast, the giant boat that we couldn't even fathom picking up, does it not just look like a speck in the ocean? I encourage you to truly ask for the Lord to open your heart to see that what we see is is too big to carry, too big for him to take, too imperfect for him to fix, is literally just a speck in his grace. His grace is abounding. He's continuing to be there and constant and present. And the changing part is not his character, but his changing part is what he continues to teach us.